Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroad. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter and threads and everywhere else you need an app. Let's get on with a week six observations in targets and volume trends as well as regression potential for every team in the NFL based on what happened in week six. Let's get to it after a quick word from Ticketmaster. More memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best views of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and learn some at once. In Arizona, Keontae Ingram led the backfield in a heavy committee, and Trey McBride continues to flounder, but with some upside as we saw this week. The loss of James Conner to IR... With the loss of James Conner to IR, the backfield was split between Keontae Ingram, who had 33% of the rushing attempts and 5% of the targets, and Damian Williams, who had 26% of the rushing attempts. Amari DiMocato managed 6% of the attempts with 2.6% of the targets as well. Notably, Ingram also took both red zone carries. Ronda Moore also had a carry inside the 20-yard line. There's no weekly starter here, but Ingram is a desperation fill-in of choice. Trey McBride managed his second highest route share with 10% and had an inefficient week in that role with minus 0.4 expected points added per opportunity, which is, you know, unusual for him. Usually he's pretty efficient on that basis, but with a larger role, it's harder to be good when you have more chances to mess it up. On that note, Zaka still managed the same target share as Trey McBride, 13% with less uh, snaps. The upside continues to be with the more efficient and younger player, but it's fairly clear he's struggling, McBride that is, to impress enough to cause the change significantly. In Atlanta, Drake London hits in a week where the Falcons passed 47 times. In the week 6 loss, the Falcons pass the ball 47 times, and Drake London's lead role with 20% of the routes, 21% of the targets, and 19% of the red zone touches, leading the team in all three marks, hit home as he finishes wide receiver 5 on the week. There are no real notes here. Pitts is the second in routes. Jono Smith has the easier completions with a slightly lower route share, and with a below average quarterback who likes to hit those easier completions. Pitts is startable just because of the nature of the position. London is a flex play for most teams simply based on volume and, you know, talent. Um, But I don't expect this kind of output regularly in 2023. There doesn't seem to be any market improvement in the offense. It was just a big passing game. In Baltimore, Zay Flowers' volume hits home as he finally puts a touchdown on the score sheet. Feels like we called this one last week and I'm glad we said to start him on volume alone. He finishes wide receiver 13 on the week with 17.1 PPR points, barring Monday's results, which I hadn't factored in at the time I made these notes. The team is still passing at a below average rate, however, and as in Atlanta, finding this role with this talent is startable in most leagues, even if they don't have regular top 12 upside in these situations. In Buffalo, James Cook cedes snap share to Latavius Murray. 
Now, with the loss of Damian Harris this week to injury, that might have caused the change more importantly, but James Cook actually played his second lowest snap share of the season at 49%, while Latavius Murray hits his season high of 49%. The veterans have been getting more usage, especially when the team isn't winning this year in Buffalo, and while Murray is still a borderline desperation start, we can feel a little better about how about it now, partly based on the 20% of red zone touches this season per game, which leads the team. Both are underperforming on their red zone roles, and it feels like week six might have been an attempt by the team to ride Murray a little bit more with the loss of Harris in the hope of better returns in that area of the field. Carolina's on bye in week seven, but I did want to note that Miles Sanders missed week six because of a shoulder injury, and Chubba Hubbard took over an even larger share of the snaps, as well as 76% of the team's rushing attempts and two carries inside the red zone for 66% of the team's opportunities in that area of the field. That's probably worth noting if he's anywhere near the waiver wire in your league. In Chicago, Justin Fields questionable, and also may not start week seven because of injury. Justin Fields left the field in the third quarter, having attempted only 10 pass attempts. He completed six of them for borderline average completion percentage. And of course, he was phenomenal as always on the ground, but still looks questionable to start week seven and questionable in general in terms of his passing ability in the NFL. Continue to keep that in mind. The team fell to one and five in a very disappointing year, despite all the fantasy points. On top of that, Cleo Herbert is heading to IR. So Roshan Johnson, who missed last week because he was in the concussion protocol, may get a chance to take over the backfield if he's able to get back to the field. In Cleveland, Jerome Ford is a top 20 running back in volume, but Kareem Hunt has more upside. On volume alone, Jerome Ford is startable most weeks in most leagues, but Kareem Hunt did eat into the role more this week, with 35% of the rushing attempts and also 9% target share and 3 rushing attempts inside the red zone, making for 20% of the team's touches per game in the most valuable area of the field. Amari Cooper is struggling to be a top 36 wide receiver in fantasy, and is startable but only as a third option for a strong team. In Denver, Javante Williams outperforms depth on fewer snaps. After missing week 5 because of an injury suffered in week 4, Javante Williams returned to 35% of the team's snaps in week 6. That's his second lowest atten- that's his second lowest snap share outside of the injury gain. Still, he carried 43% of the team's rushing attempts and 52% of the team's and got 52 rushing yards, finishing as a running back 30 overall. Jaleel McLaughlin performed well on 40% of the team's snaps, but was outcarried by Williams, and even his decent 0.5 expected points added per opportunity was dwarfed by Williams' 2.7 expected points added per opportunity. Not to bore you with numbers. It still seems to be Williams' backfield, and his return could be the cause of that shift in role we've been hoping to see in terms of him taking over more of those the, the overall opportunity. In Detroit, Amara St. Brown returns to great effect. After Sunday's game, Amara St. Brown was wide receiver one with 30 PPR points. Sam Laporta put up more of a mediocre performance in week six. Despite 11 targets, he only managed 36 yards and 6.7 PPR points, which was good for the tight end 15 by Sunday. He was questionable coming into the week, showing up on the injury report. However, I don't think there's any real reason for concern on his weekly potential. Only Laporta and St. Brown had targets inside the red zone this week. David Montgomery is going to miss some time as well for this team, but Jameer Gibbs missed week six as well, and we're waiting on more injury news to know what to do from here. 
In the meantime, Craig Reynolds took 61% of the team's snaps, 45% of the rushing attempts, and 4.9% of the team's targets. He also only had one rushing attempt inside the 20-yard line, and there's probably odds on favorite if Gibbs isn't ready to go this week, but his 15 rushing yards and 10 attempts weren't exactly impressive. And minus 2.3 expected points added per opportunity makes him a hard start, even if Gibbs can't go. Houston is also on bye in week 7, but... While I think Damian Pierce has been relatively productive compared to his dynasty value at least this offseason, he's also averaged minus 4.4 expected points added per opportunity. And that's bad. Even running backs do better than that on average. And this week the team the team let Devin Singletary on the field for a season high 54% of snaps. While Pierce took a season low 33%. Pierce still led in carries, 41% versus 38%, but Singletary was able to impress more with 58 yards on fewer carries compared to Pierce's 34 yards. Devin Singletary even had two targets, a total Pierce hasn't been able to hit since week four, and that's something that notably caps his upside. In Indianapolis, Zach Moss buys you one more week to try trading for Jonathan Taylor. Little respect for the man who finished as a running back 7 in PPR last week, please. But while Zach's Moss was once again impressive in week 6 and put up 17.2 PPR points, he also split he also split the carries with Jonathan Taylor almost evenly, 41% versus Taylor's 47%. And they also split the red zone work. Taylor had 50% of the touches inside the 20, Zach Moss only had 30%. Moss performed well. But it was all performance, and the volume is moving in one direction across the board, all at the same time, towards Jonathan Taylor. In Kansas City, Rashi Rice continues to impress, but on a stunted role. The horrid injury to Justin Watson this week caused Rashi Rice didn't cause Rashi Rice's 10% of routes any more than his presence caused him to have a similar volume in weeks 3 and 4. However, Rashi Rice finished as a wide receiver of 31 with 11.2 PPR points this week and was impressive on expected points average per opportunity basis. He was efficient. However, his role seems markedly stuck in the 10% of routes range. Usually impressing on a decent sized role would be cause for expectations to increase, but we've seen these type of stunted roles on this team as well as others before. It's an efficient role that he's doing well at, and I'm less, I'm less, I don't have any great expectations it's going to increase drastically anytime soon, but the player continues to do well on it. For the Los Angeles Rams, Zach Evans to start in week 7. Cooper Cup is on a mission as always, but the roles and production should stay about the same as we've seen. Start Matthew Stafford, start Cooper Cup, start Puka Minakua, and flex Tutu Atwell if needed. In the meantime, look for Zach Evans to Look for Zach Evans on the waiver wire or in your leagues and possibly as an add in a trade. He handled 11% of the team's snaps, 14% of the team's rushing attempts in week 6 after Keontae Williams, after Kyron Williams suffered an ankle injury, which is, you know, disappointing. He's been a great he's been a great winning asset this year for dynasty teams. In Las Vegas, Jacoby Myers and Devontae Adams a discount Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. That's what I'm going with. Jimmy Garoppolo suffered a back injury this week and could miss time going forward, allowing for Brian Hoyer or Aiden, Aiden O'Connell to perhaps start. This could be concerning for Jacoby Myers and Devontae Adams, but both have very solid volume right now and would be likely starts in most leagues, even if that change takes place. They weigh in as a wide receiver 3 and 4 in weighted opportunity this year, and wide receiver 12 and 13 in points per game, respectively. 
Miami Raheem Mostert turns into the Hulk versus Carolina. The loss of Devin A. Chain to IR left the door open for Raheem Mostert to be the next beneficiary of the Miami juggernaut this season. He had 61% of the team's snaps, 51% of the team's rushing attempts, and 10% of the team's targets. A decent player on a successful team with great players around him to help move the chains and create scoring opportunities is a good thing. He also had 52% of the team's red zone touches in week 6. Six rushing attempts compared to Salvin Ahmed and Christopher Brooks, who both totaled five, who totaled five when you combine them. But it is notable that multiple players were used in the red zone on that role. Mostar is probably a must-start in this offense until further notice or until more injuries or health returns. In Minnesota, TJ Hawkinson is fourth because someone has to be. TJ Hawkinson is a very good player who is very good in Dynasty, but his 12.8 points per game ranks him as a tight end four on the season, the same way he ended up being ranked there a lot this offseason. Someone has to be fourth. He's the first tight end in the ranks, not adding significant expected points added per opportunity for his team. His role is solid. His points are good. 2.2 points per game over baseline, actually. He's more than startable, even as a flex option this season. To be fair, that's very good for TJ Hawkinson. However, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, and Sam Laporta, all ranking above him, should be considered very different dynasty assets in general, and I just wanted to make that note. Also, buy Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison whenever possible in dynasty, just in case no one's ever told you that. In New England, I can't even with Matt Jones anymore. I'm not even going to mention it, to be honest. I'm done. Kendrick Bourne was wide receiver 9 last week, however, racking up more of those underrated usable weeks from the depth chart of best ball leagues. For the New York Giants, Wondell Robinson? A diamond in the dirt. Or rough, maybe? No, because he's not the one that's rough. He is a diamond laying in dirt, I'm pretty sure. I look for players with that special blend of significant opportunity and efficiency early in their career on a week-by-week basis. It's essentially how you look for players who are breaking out or potentially going to get larger roles on a week-by-week basis, especially the further we get into the season, the younger they are, the more likely they are to even have that path available to them. And one player stands out this year as due to a larger share of the routes. True, the team situation may limit his upside. Daniel Jones missed last week, so maybe that helped out the situation. But Wondell Robinson continues to impress every time he's healthy and on the field. This week, he had 17% of the team's routes, 17.8% if you want to be specific, and was 0.59 expected points added per opportunity above players who have that level of route share. So he was efficient relative to the number of routes he was running. And... I really think that could lead to more opportunity moving forward in his career, if not in this situation. In Philadelphia, no new notes, to be honest. We liked DeAndre Swift before it was cool. Don't let them tell you any different. DeAndre Swift was running back nine this week. Uh, Like, I think we squeezed uh, a lot of value out of Philadelphia before most people noticed it. And uh, we're just happy to be here. In Pittsburgh, laying weight on George Pickens, maybe? Kenny Pickett is bound to trip him up more weeks than most, as he has been doing this season for most weeks, to be honest. And Deontay Johnson, always a great target earner, is set to return over the next few weeks. But given how volume works, George Pickens looks like a huge buy in Dynasty after his week 6 wide receiver 5 performance wears off, if it does, in your league. Kenny Kenny Pickett is bound to put up a few more stinkers and make people forget his good games. Hopefully, he's only had two this season. 
He's never had less than 20% of the team's routes, however, and has somehow managed to show up twice in the top 12 with Kenny Pickett this season, and even has positive efficiency most weeks on significant volume. If there's a dip in value at any point, I'm about ready to start buying into George Pickens. In Seattle, Jackson Smith's Njigba isn't concerning yet, but we're on notice. JSN has around 17% of the team's routes this season, which is impressive given the hubbub about how limited he'd be with the surrounding talent. But he hasn't impressed on his routes enough to earn a larger role, or at least earn earn more routes. He's over 50% of the best... Over 50% of the best fantasy players have done that by week 5 in their rookie season. However, 80% of those best players do so by week 9. We have time, and the reality of the situation could easily explain the lack of solid production in this role. Our hope has to be based on his college profile, because without it right now he'd be a major concern, even with 17% of the team's routes. The potential loss of DK Metcalf could be one of those few instances where players find more opportunity because of another's absence, because he's already earning the field time, and it could be about targets specifically while he's already earning the opportunity on the field. However, JSN has the routes, so if the competition is driving the lack of targets, Week 7 could be his chance to remind us of his potential. In San Francisco, Christian McCaffrey left the field in the third quarter and Jordan Mason snatches some red zone touches. Christian McCaffrey left the field in the third quarter and while there is hope he plays in week seven, both Jordan Jordan Mason and Elijah Mitchell have both shown upside in fantasy when healthy and given opportunity. Mason was a main beneficiary of McCaffrey's absence, seeing a season-high 24% of snaps this week and two rushing attempts inside the 20-yard line. However, Elijah Mitchell, who has been hurt, also rushed, also returned to 11% of the team's snaps this week and was out snapping everyone else behind McCaffrey in weeks 1 and 3 when he was healthy. Both are worth adding. In Tampa Bay, if Rashad White had any competition in this backfield, I think he'd be done by now. I think I said this last week as well. Week 4 and 6, before and after the bye week, have been season low in rushing attempts for Rashad White with 45%. And his red zone work, 51% of the team's touches inside the 20-yard line, by the way, has resulted in at least two fewer touchdowns than you'd expect with a league average player. I know, man. If they find anyone, I think they start moving touches away from him. In Tennessee, they are on bye in week seven, but Ryan Tannehill suffered what now seems to be a high ankle sprain, so I wanted to mention it, and I'd be remiss if I didn't because Malik Willis... You know, got the replacement gig in week six, and in Superflex leagues, that might give him some bump in value. In Washington, Terry McLaurin is a better wide receiver. It's just very clear. Every week that goes by, Jahan Dotson makes a case for himself to get less and less of the offense. Over the last two weeks, he's managed negative expected points added per opportunity. He's been very bad on his touches while Terry McLaurin has been very good on his touches, averaging over two expected points added per opportunity. Jahan Dotson has had 16 to 21% of the team's routes over the last three games, whereas Terry McLaurin has had between 19% and 22%. His seems to be increasing. Jahan Dotson, despite an uptick last week, seems to be trending down overall on the season. 
Well, that's about all I have for you right now. If you want to check out the data, of course, it's still pinned to my Twitter timeline. It's still pinned to my Patreon timeline. The tables that I'm using to do with the brief assessments. Uh, you can look at the other teams. You can look at the other players. Hit me up on Discord. Hit me up on Patreon. It is when people start canceling their Patreon subscriptions, which, you know, I've become basically dependent and addicted to. So if you ever feel like throwing me a dollar, now's a great month to do it. Um, and it's understandable, by the way, because teams fade. Fantasy becomes less relevant to your life. And so you step out. But in order to keep grinding to get ahead of the rookies, as we, I think, did fairly well this season, um, you know, I, I'm a, a 365 kind of gig at this point. Um, so, yeah, this would be a great month if you enjoy any of the work. But if not, no problem. Thanks for listening to The Crossroads, and I will see you again next week. Bye. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so... Jake on the table and Nate on the play though. Pete enumerates the plays are analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that, I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.